Welcome to Hillside Baptist Chapel's weekly Bible study. Please join Dr. Steve Wood every week where we can all collectively grasp a better understanding of God through His Word. This podcast will be published every Wednesday night at 7 p.m. Contact information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, Pastor, phone or message at 6438-6541, email at steverwood zero zero two at gmail dot com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to HBC Prayer List twenty twenty at gmail dot com. Good evening everybody. Thank you for joining us on Wednesday evening for our podcast. And uh, we're continuing our study through the book of Second Corinthians. And tonight we're in chapter five. We'll begin reading in just a moment with the very first verse. We're going to be taking uh, <clears throat> two or three, maybe, evenings on this passage of Scripture, these ten verses. I want to read the whole thing to get it in context so you can see what's being said. And uh, then we'll come back and we'll look at individual verses. But Contemplation of New Life is the title of this series of messages that we're going to be talking about in the next uh few weeks and uh, so uh, to begin with tonight we'll uh, read verses 1 through 10 and then we'll go back and and uh, look at some of these individual verses it says for we know that if our temporary earthly dwelling is destroyed we have a building from God an internal dwelling in the heavens not made with hands indeed we groan in this body desiring to put on our dwelling from heaven since when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. Indeed, we groan while we are in this tent, burdened as we are, because we do not want to be unclothed, but clothed, so that mortality may be swallowed up by by life. And the one who prepared us for this purpose is God, who gave us the Spirit as a down payment. So we are always confident and know that while we are At home in the body, we are away from the Lord, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And we are confident and satisfied to be out of the body and at home with the Lord. Therefore, whether we are at home or away, we make it our aim to be pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the tribunal of Christ, so that each may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or worthless. Let us pray. Father, we thank you tonight for the opportunity to be together, to be able to search your scriptures, to be able to understand things that would be beneficial and helpful in our lives. And these very important verses that tell us about the new body, that tell us about being with you, and what our heavenly dwelling is going to be like. And Father, we know that you don't explain it ultimately, and we're not going to explain, uh, have it explained and be able to know it until we're actually there with you when we live in heaven and we're in our glorified bodies. But Father, we thank you tonight that we're able to open your word and understand just a little bit more about it. And it's exciting. It's a glorious thing that you've prepared for us. And help us tonight as we understand a little more about the things that you have prepared for us and the things that are going to happen 
as we leave this body and we join with you. And again, Father, blessings on those that are listening. And Father, if there are decisions that are needed in the lives of those that are listening to the podcast tonight, we would pray that they would make the decisions that are needed. And we pray even now for our services this next Lord's Day. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, tonight as we look at the idea of new life, the idea of having a heavenly body, as Christian, we know that this is something that we've talked about in the past, that we know a little bit about, that we're going to have a tent that's different than the one we're living in now. In fact, we would not call it a tent, I don't suppose, because the idea of a tent is temporary, isn't it? But a Christian evangelist in the first century, the Apostle Paul was an individual who wanted to get the message across. For the cause of the gospel... He faced all kinds of things in his life. Angry mobs, irritated local officials, conceited philosophers. He spent many anxious nights in prayer and long hours working that he might support himself and he might be prepared as he studied the scriptures to give the message that needed to be given to those that he was uh, he was speaking to he received no applause no rewards no appreciation while he was in this life very much anyway why did he do this well he answered this question for the Corinthians he measured all his troubles in the light of eternity (coughs) excuse me Paul knew that he would experience infinite happiness and unending joy in the next life, in his new body, in that new dwelling. This confident hope was Paul's motivation to never stop preaching the truth to all who would listen. Few chapters are more intense in explaining a thing than this one is. We have here in these first 10 verses details about the things that God has prepared for us. And as we look at these verses, let us go back to verse 1 in just a moment. We're going to be thinking about what God has prepared for us in the future. And let this be a motivation to us to live the kind of life we need to live today, right now, here on this earth. And this is what the Apostle Paul is talking about. This is what he said. Now look, look at verse 1 again. He says, For we know that if our temporary earthly dwelling is destroyed... Now let me stop just a moment. Is this dwelling we're living in right now going to be destroyed? Certainly. You look at those that have passed on. Are they not in the graveyards? Their body is gone. But 
they still exist, don't they? They're in heaven with God. But he said, if our earthly dwelling is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal dwelling in the heavens, not made with hands. We know that God is going to give us a new body when this one is gone. And we don't have to worry about that. The apostle knew that the Corinthians were wondering how he would endure so much hardship and difficulties that he was going through that he talked about in chapter 4. So in this passage, he outlined his hope, why he did what he did. His confidence was in God, not in man. He wasn't looking to man to give him accolades. He wasn't looking for prizes, awards, trophies as he preached the gospel. He knew that the Lord was going to take care of that in the future. And he was looking forward to the resurrected body, the heavenly glory that would be his. The Corinthians, like many today, had difficulty understanding the resurrection and its place in the Christian worldview. That's why we're spending so much time on the resurrection on Sunday morning right now. We're looking at that very subject. And we'll spend, well, at least three weeks because I've got my next message preparing right now on the resurrection. And we'll probably be looking at that subject for about seven weeks maybe. We've already looked at this in the past and we'll be continuing to look at it in the future. And it's important for us to understand the resurrection. Now tonight's lesson deals somewhat with that, doesn't it? And uh, we'll be talking more about that as we get on into this uh, passage of Scripture, the ten verses. And we're going to spend not just one night looking at these ten verses, but we're going to spend at least two and maybe three nights looking at all ten verses. We'll see how tonight's passages go and whether or not we need to spend more than two on this passage. But, as we look at the Corinthians, they were like many today. And the resurrection is important for people to understand. Greeks did not believe in a bodily resurrection. That was made clear when the Greek philosophers in Athens mocked the Apostle Paul when he spoke of a bodily resurrection. And it tells us in Acts 17 verse 32, And when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, some mocked, while others said, We'd like to hear from you again about this. No, they didn't understand it. But they wanted to hear about it. They wanted to understand what he was saying about it. Most Greeks thought that only the soul would survive death. They didn't think about a new body. They didn't think about dwelling in something better than the body that they have on this earth. And so they thought of the soul, the essence of the person, as imprisoned in a physical body, a body that was intrinsically evil. And upon death, the soul would be released from its imprisonment. According to the Greeks, only the soul would enter the eternal state. Because of the strong Greek influence in the church in Corinth, remember it was in Greece, some believers in Corinth had begun teaching that there was no bodily resurrection from the dead. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 
we looked at that. Thus Paul had thoroughly explained the doctrine of the resurrection in the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians. And we're looking at some of those verses on Sundays. But he understood its significance and made it clear that denying the resurrection of believers was tantamount to denying the resurrection of Jesus himself and thus the Christian faith. We don't have time to go back and look at that. Come Sunday and we'll talk more about that. But Paul did not mince any words. He said, And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is worthless and you're still in your sins. That's in verse 17, chapter 15. He would not risk his life for a futile and meaningless message is one of the things that he said. What Paul is saying here is a very important statement. For we know, not that we hope or we expect or even that we believe, but we know that if our temporary earthly dwelling is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal dwelling in the heavens not made with hands. Did you notice that? This is a positive. No, I know this. He knows this because of the fact of the Spirit of God and this had made it real to him. God had made it real to him. This building from God is not the believer's heavenly home, not the place that Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. Uh, Some versions even talk about being mansions. Well, it's not the place where we're going to dwell, but it's how we're going to inhabit The Spirit is going to inhabit the body that God is preparing for us, that God is going to have for us. That's what he's talking about there. It's our glorified body. Jesus talked about the home that he was going to prepare for us in John chapter 14. But Jesus is talking about a a body that we will have. You see, he was a tent maker. Acts chapter 18 tells us about there. Uh, that and uh, he used a tent as a picture of our earthly body, our temporary dwelling. A tent is a weak structure, isn't it? Without much beauty. But the glorified body which we're going to receive will be eternal, beautiful, never showing signs of weakness or decay. You know, as we look at our human bodies, our, our bodies get old, don't they? They deteriorate. They uh, Uh, Well, I can look at myself and I can say it gets ugly. (laughs) Well, Paul saw the human body as an earthly vessel. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, he tells us that. And a temporary tent. But he knew that believers would one day receive a wonderful glorified body suited for the glorious environment of heaven. Suited for those places, those, those buildings that God has gone to prepare for us. A tent is a flimsy sort of thing. I don't know whether you've ever uh, gone camping very much at all and and, uh, used a tent, but uh, uh, sometimes those things are very difficult to get put up, aren't they? Uh, Sometimes we have problems uh, getting them stretched just right and and, uh, making them stand up. But as the Apostle Paul referred to the mortal body, That's what he pictured it, a tent. 
and that it was going to be destroyed. Now, he compared his body to a worn-out earthly tent soon to be destroyed. He's saying that an earthly dwelling, our body, is temporary like a tent. But when it's destroyed, and that is by death, we have a new eternal dwelling, a new body in the heavens, which God has prepared or is going to provide for us. When a believer uh, dies, the body goes to the grave, as I mentioned a moment ago. But the spirit goes to be with Christ. That's what the Apostle Paul meant when he told the Philippians in Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 and 23, For me, living is Christ and dying is gain. I'm pressured by both. I have the desire to depart to be with Christ, which is far better. When Christ Jesus returns for His own, He will raise the dead bodies in glory. And the individuals who are alive and remain at that time are going to be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of eyes, the body says. And we're going to be joined together in a glorious eternity in heaven. Many scriptures talk about that. We need to realize that there is an outward man and an inward man. And Paul is talking here about the things that in the preceding chapters that he had already mentioned. The outward man perishes, but the inward man is renewed day by day. A great many people misunderstand that the body is put in the grave, but the individual, the real person, has gone to be with Christ or has gone into eternity. Both the saved and the lost die, don't they? And both have spirits that go into eternity. Of course, those that know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, their spirit goes to be with Christ. Jesus has told us in the Scriptures and the Apostle Paul has emphasized to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. We believe that. We know that. That's true. And if that individual is a believer, then when they die, when that physical body goes to be in the grave, that individual actually goes to be with the Lord. The outward man is a physical, material being that you can see and touch. But the inward man is the spiritual man the part of man that's created in the image of God when we believe in Jesus Christ as our personal Savior. You see, God is not a physical, material being, but God is spirit. And those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. You see, it's the inward man that's renewed. And it's being renewed day by day, the Apostle Paul tells us. And that's what lives forever. That's what, what goes on existing after this physical body is destroyed. And John 4 verse 24 has told us God is spirit and those that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. I'm getting older and I have many issues to deal with like aches and pains daily that most of you do. And I'm so looking forward to my inward man moving to a new address to a new dwelling place, to a new building. But 
there's one aspect of my life that I really enjoy. I enjoy studying God's Word and pastoring Hillside Baptist Church. But I eagerly desire to be taught from the lips of Jesus and to be able to understand things that I can't understand while I'm here on this earth. God, who experienced firsthand the teachings and works that He gave on this earth, we will be able to hear from His lips as we're there in His presence. Now, of course, there are many other things that I could talk about about living in this life and things that I love like my wife and those around me and my children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. But it's wonderful to know that each passing year brings me closer to being with Jesus. I'm going to see Him someday. It's a wonderful prospect. I have an eternal house in heaven. The body will be sown a natural body, but it will be raised a spiritual body, the Apostle Paul has told us. He's going to give us a new body that is suitable for heaven. Although these spiritual bodies will somehow be associated with our old physical bodies, I think we'll look a lot like what we look like today. We will be an eternally different nature than what we have today. They will be imperishable, glorious, eternal. 1 Corinthians 15 has talked about that, as I mentioned a moment ago. They will be perfect bodies for our eternal existence with Jesus Christ. Indeed, the Apostle Paul says that we groan in this body. Notice verse 2. We groan in this body, desiring to put on the dwelling from heaven. Are you groaning in your body? <laughs> Most of us are. Why? Well, Romans 8, 23, uh, the Apostle Paul states that all the creation groans under the decay that results from sin. And these verses that we're looking at today indicate that believers also join in that groaning. You see, the aches and pains that we have, it's because of sin, isn't it? Such groaning is evidently not thought of as a mere human whim, but a spirit-guided desire. Verse 5 tells us. We'll talk about that later on. Paul's groaning reflected his desire to be free from the afflictions, the imperfections of this life, his feelings that he was not re he had not received the fullness of God's salvation yet. Romans 8 verse 23 he says, "We ourselves who have the spirit as the first first fruits, we also groan within ourselves eagerly awaiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies." When Paul spoke of wanting to put on our dwelling from heaven, he was referring to the longing to receive the resurrected body. The image depicts the glorious truth that the earthly body of the Corinthians, of all Christians, will be transformed into a 
eternal heavenly body that we talked about already. Paul was fixing his eyes, not focusing on what has been, uh, not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Chapter 4, verse 18 tells us. These verses, verses 2 through 4 that we're looking at tonight, express the same sentiments. Paul's present life was being destroyed, he says in verse 16. And he faced death, verses 11 and 12 tells us. Paul was waiting for the day when God would give him a new body, a spiritual body in which he will still be able, even in the heavenly places, to serve and adore God. You see, when we're translated into a new body, it's not going to mean that we're not going to serve God anymore, that we're not going to do things anymore. You know, some people have depicted heaven as being a place where we're floating on a cloud and we're uh, strumming on a harp and just sitting. No, that's not what heaven is all about at all. We're still going to serve God. We're still going to be doing things. We're still going to be active. We're still going to be enjoying serving our living Lord. That's how the Apostle Paul felt. He saw eternity not as a release into permanent inaction, but as the entry into a body in which serving God would be complete, be different than what it is today because we're going to be able to serve Him completely. And we want to do that today, but we're not able to, not in our physical existence. Paul was hoping that he would be alive on the earth when Christ returns so that he might not have to go through the experience of death. He used the pictures of this in chapter 15 of 1 Corinthians and he used the idea of groaning in Romans 8, 22-26. But notice verse 3. He says, Since when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. This is interesting. One of these days, Jesus is going to call His own out of this world. We'll be caught up to meet Him in the air. And we're going to stand before Him. And what will it be like for us? We will be clothed in righteousness, the Bible says. We will not be found naked, He tells us here. Not everyone would be clothed in His righteousness when they are raised from dead. But Christ was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification, Romans 4.25 tells us. That is, our righteousness. But some folks have not accepted His righteousness. They have rejected Christ. Therefore, there is a resurrection of the just and a resurrection of the unjust. Paul mentions this in Acts 24, verse 15. He says, I have hope in God, which these men themselves also accept, that there is going to be a resurrection, both of the righteous and the unrighteous. Jesus said the same thing in John 5, 29. And He says, And come out, those who have done good things, to the resurrection of life, but those who have done wicked things to the resurrection of judgment. Folks, we're going to stand in His presence someday. 
Will you be clothed in the righteousness of Christ? Will you have that new body that He wants you to have? It's all dependent upon what you do with Jesus in this life. This is a good time to point out that the Bible does not teach only one judgment, but many judgments. There are eight, actually, in the Bible described. Notice, some of these are future. Some are already past. There's a judgment which Jesus Christ bore on the cross. And it's because Jesus bore this judgment for us that He could say, I assure you, anyone who hears My Word and believes Him who sent Me has eternal life and will not come under judgment or condemnation, but is passed from death to life. John 5.24 And then there is self-judgment. We're told in 1 Corinthians 11.31 in the New King James Version, for if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. Also, there is chastisement. And this chastisement comes from God for His people, for believers. The Lord takes us to the woodshed, so to speak. For the Lord disciplines those, uh, disciplines the one He loves and punishes every son He receives, Hebrews 12, 6. The works of believers are judged, as we will see later in this chapter as we study other things. The nation Israel will be judged. The Gentile nations are to be judged. Fallen angels are to be judged. Those are all lessons to themselves that we don't have time to go into tonight. And then finally, there's the judgment of the great white throne. Chapter 20, verses 11 through 15 in Second Corinthians tells us about that. They will appear naked. They will not be clothed in righteousness. And it says, all were judged according to their works. Now notice verse 4. Indeed we groan while we're in this tent, burdened as we are because we do not want to be unclothed but clothed so that mortality may be swallowed up by life. Verse 4 restates verses 2 and 3 but gives a little more clarity, gives a little more light. He says because we do not want to be unclothed, by losing our physical bodies and death, we're going to be putting off this body, but we won't, uh, we won't be unclothed. God is going to clothe us, clothe us. Our longing, rather, is to be clothed, to put on the spiritual body a new garment so that the mortal, the physical body, may be swallowed up and instantly replaced by the perfect eternal life which God has for those and they will receive that spiritual body. And they'll enjoy that existence with God. That is why we groan in these bodies. It's not that we are worried about being unclothed. We know that we won't be unclothed, but we will be clothed with the righteousness of Christ. Someday when our heavenly dwelling is received, all of our groaning and being burdened will give place to happiness and exaltation and praise and adoration 
as we appear in heaven with God. The eternal, the permanent, is coming. That's life itself. That's real life. And this temporary life is going to be swallowed up. It's decaying. It's the mortal. But the eternal is coming. The fact that Paul piled image on image and repeated himself indicates his concern that Corinthians understand the bodily resurrection, being clothed, being covered with eternal bodies indicates that when Christians die, they will not lose their personalities or even their recognizable characteristics. As Jesus' own resurrected body shows, believers have bodies that to some degree corresponds with their present physical bodies. These bodies will be redeemed, Romans 8.24 indicates. Through Christ's saving work, their resurrected bodies will be better than they can imagine. Anything that, that we can imagine, it's going to be greater than that. Few details are given about the believer's resurrected bodies, but the Bible does say that it will be perfect without sickness, without disease, without pain. Several different places in the Scriptures talk about that. And knowing this should affect the way that Christians live on earth today. Although believers will be transformed on the last day, they will retain the characteristics that they've developed here on earth. The Corinthians had foolishly begun to live as if death would change everything. Let's eat, drink, for tomorrow we die, 1 Corinthians 15.32 tells us they were saying. But Paul was trying to impress upon them that they did this because they didn't understand the resurrected body. And he asked them to stop sinning. And that bad light of the certainty of the body, bodily resurrection, wasn't what God wanted them to see. He was trying to impress upon them that what they did in this life mattered. First Corinthians 15, 33-34. He exhorted those in Corinth to see that they needed to live for the Lord today. Not wait until tomorrow, but live for Him today. Develop characteristics in this life that were pleasing to God and would influence others to come to know Jesus as their personal Savior. He had compared the earthly body to a seed that had been planted in the ground. The small seed had to die in order to come to life and grow. In order to have the beauty that that new plant would have. In the same way, the earthly body has to be sown in weakness decay and even die before it yields the glorious resurrected body. 
The glorified body is called a building from God, an eternal dwelling in the heavens, not made with hands. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 1. And our dwelling from heaven, in 5 verse 2, is in contrast with our mortal bodies, which come from the dust of this earth. He says in 1 Corinthians 15.49, And just as we have borne the image of the man made of dust, we will also bear the image of the heavenly man. It's important to note that Paul was not groaning because he was in a human body, but because he longed to see Jesus Christ and receive a glorified body. He was groaning for glory. For Jesus is our Savior. He is our hope. It seems clear from these verses that being in this tent, as Peter tells us in 2 Peter 1.13, and while being clothed, possessing an earthly body, we're not with the Lord, are we? But there's a heavenly dwelling and there's immortality to look forward to. And we're going to be changed from this mortal into immortality. As we think about these things, we're going to stop tonight and take up in verse 5 next week. But, do you have assurance of that heavenly dwelling? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? Is He preparing a place for you right now in heaven? Are you looking forward to an immortal body that God has for you? I can't tell you tonight how important it is for you to think about these things and for you to choose life. I'd like to show you from the Scriptures what you need to do that you might have His salvation. And as our message ends tonight, give me a call. Send me a text. Ask me to come over or come to my house. I would love to sit down with you and talk to you further about many of these things and help you to understand what Jesus tells you you need to do that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Father, thank you tonight for these verses of Scripture, for the assurance of your word. I pray that we would all look to you for help in explaining these things to other individuals. And Father, we pray that many, many more would come to know you as their Savior and they would serve you in this life, looking forward to the immortality that's coming, looking forward to that heavenly dwelling that you're going to give each one of us that know you. And we pray your blessings on those that are listening tonight. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Please stay tuned for a short weekly editorial with Face to Face with Dr. Fred. And now the end is near And so I face the final curtain My friend I'll say it clear 
I'll state my case Of which I'm certain I've lived A life that's full I traveled each And every highway And more Much more than this I did it Good evening. If you're at my age and a little younger, not maybe to the, where the teenagers are today, you realize that I do it my way is Frank Sinatra. It's synonymous. And consequently, that was, of course, the number one hit and it, in England, I understand, it was the number one hit for, I guess, around 17 weeks or more. Consequently, everybody in the English-speaking world know of that song. Even the French uh, knew that song. So that's quite unusual that so many people know about I Did It My Way. And there is a, a kind of a gospel song. Well, it is a gospel, but not well known necessarily. But I want to read it to you. Now, we know what Frank Sinatra is singing. And we know that he's saying, I did it my way. And I, by the way, I've heard so many comments about that through the years. I'm like Frank Sinatra. I remember... I do it my way. He said what I feel I'm going to do. And maybe they did. Here's the gospel song. It says, I traveled down a lonely road and no one seemed to care. The burden on my weary back had bowed me to despair. I oft complained to Jesus how folks were treating me. And then I heard him say so tenderly, My feet was also weary upon that Calvary road. The cross became so heavy, I fell beneath the load. Be faithful, weary pilgrim. The morning I can see, just lift your cross and follow close to me. You know, it's the idea of following Jesus as, you know, compared to saying, hey, I do it my way. It doesn't make, I guess, any difference what God says or Jesus says or what is right or what is wrong. I'm going to do it my way. Well, sometimes we Christians are traveling down a lonely road. And no one seemed to care. And we'll just say, hey, I'm going to do it my way. And then we begin to think about things. And I complained to Jesus. How many times have we complained about what our deal is going on and it's not going right? So we say, Lord, why is this? Well, I prayed. And I prayed, there's no answer. None. What is this? 
And you know, I was in a group of men, a Zoom, in Dallas. And it was uh, said that we were in a pack of wolves, sheep, like sheep. And you know that scripture, it's in Matthew. But the point of it is, it was asked, where if you were a sheep and you were out in the wilderness and a wolf came, what's the way to escape or what is the way to get away from the wolves? Immediately I thought, and I said, the closer you get to the shepherd, the safer you are. And I think that's true in our Christian life. I know it is. And the further away I get, then I start using poor judgment, bad deals. I'm doing it my way. Oh, and then we go and say, oh, God, forgive me. And you know the point of it, God does forgive. If you repent and turn to him and say, I'm going to follow you. And my age is 87. I want to follow Jesus. So I'm going to conclude with this and say in, in my mind and challenge you, are you going to do it your way? I do it my way. Or are you going to follow Jesus? Get close to him, people. Oh, please get close to him. Read the word of God. He does answer prayer. And he said, if you ask anything in my name, and you know when we ask it in Jesus' name, that means we're following him and we want what God wants us to have. Jesus died on the cross and yes, resurrected because he was God. God blesses all. Isn't that the truth? Once again, the question, I do it my way or following Jesus. I travel down a lonely road and no one seemed to care. The burden on my weary back had bowed me information is as follows. Dr. Steve Wood, pastor, phone or message at 
1-800-242-6541. Email at steverwood002 at gmail.com. Prayer requests can be sent directly to hbcprayerlist2020 at gmail.com. Thank you, and God bless.